Crunch and Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good. Hello, welcome to Uncle Mo's Family Food Bag, where we look through the dizzying highs, the terrifying lows, and the creamy middles of The Simpsons seasons 1 to 12 through random episode generation. I am, of course, your host, Tyler McRae, and um, it's the third time they're on it now. I don't want to make the joke of, like, oh, is it going to be Toy Story 3 or Back to the Future 3? So I'll just say it's more um, it's more when David Duchovny left the X-Files for a pay dispute. And now they're back, they've got the new contract, and they're going to ride this final season out. So, uh, Sash, how have we been? Hi, thanks for having me back on. It's been a while, so it's it's nice to be back. Yeah, pretty good. Um, just wading through the murky waters of unemployment, but doing a lot of creative work, so that's quite fun. Yes, uh, for people that don't know, um, Sasha's Twitter um sort of been... I'm, I'm not going to say blown up, because I feel you won't really accept that, but... um. Yeah, they recently did a nice little um, viral sketch of a little monkey on this viral video, and it did uh, good numbers there. Good traction. Yeah, I rate that. Thank you. That was quite a bit of a weird fluke, but hey, that was fun. Now, what was uh, before we get deep into the episode? What was the reason behind these? Well, that little sketch in itself, then. No, literally just um, honestly, literally just like, oh, I saw this video and I was like, that's cute. I'm gonna draw something, and that's literally it. Was, I wish there was a neater story behind half the things I draw other than I thought that was cute, so I drew it. Well, hopefully, if you're wading through the murky waters of unemployment, you'll be able to wade through the sewage with our new episode, folks. What a link. Yes. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I set you up for that. That was totally intentional. <laughs> <laughs> we are reviewing today two cars in every garage and three eyes on every fish from uh, season two, episode four, directed by Wesley Archer. Written by Sam Simon and John Swartzwelder, with the original air date being November the 1st, 1990, and the couch gag being the couch springs out like a bed. Now, uh, as I ask uh, my usual co-host and a couple of other guests, um, is there any initial memories or thoughts with this episode, Sash? I do remember this one, actually, because I remember um, Blinky being like kind of a big part, well, not like a big, big part, but like a somewhat big part of Simpsons merchandising. Um, so yeah, this episode is one that, uh, I did, I was like, oh, it's the Blinky episode, and, like, that was instantly my memory of it. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the rewatch. It's one of the, this is peak era symptoms for me, I think, in terms of the characterization and the tone and stuff. I think this is like, got a lot of the satire that I enjoy. I will say, for me, uh... Looking back at now, maybe it's not the most memorable episode from season two, but I will say Blinky and uh, the Burns campaign now obviously resonates more being a fully grown adult and uh, adult and knowing what politics is and mm-hmm. the uh, whole behind the scenes of it. Um, it meant a lot more to me now and I got a lot more laughs and a lot more satisfaction out of it. I will say, um, to cap this off, did you ever have that uh, Blinky water cooler? No, I didn't, but I really wanted one. I think, because I used to collect the Simpsons comics, um, and I feel like that used to be uh, a prize that was given away in that, like for people who sent in the best letter of the week or whatever. Uh, And I always used to think it was like cool as anything. I unfortunately didn't own one myself, though. Did you? Oh, well, your boy had one uh, for his eighth birthday, I believe. Use it for a month, and yeah having a plastic sort of floating device in there with sort of not the best sort of plastic um, really affects the water taste so we got used for a month and then yeah my parents knew better as not to uh, poison their child with this fun gift <laughs> and that was it which is pretty sad but it was a it was a nice it's now a nice decorative um, bit in my dad's summer house so it still has a life after that that's fair. And the fish poisoning the water is quite tonally appropriate as well. <laughs> so it Oh yeah, kind of fits forever present. Too perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> so we open up this scene with a nice little pan down. We get to see the scenic side of Springfield and we get to see uh Lisa and Bart enjoying some fishing down the old fishing hole. This is very uh Huck Finn and Mark Sawyer, um very, very cute here. And we have a reporter, Dave Shutton come down, he spots those two. And he's going to have a snoop around, see what sort of um, busy can get from them. And 
is very different between uh, Bart and Lisa here. Bart is actually trying to gain something, so he's using traditional worms as bait, whereas Lisa appreciates the tranquility of fishing itself, so she's just going with none. She's taking a very Reeves and Mortimer go fishing vibe to it. I uh, do appreciate that. What do you think of this uh, whole opening bit with Dave Shutton, Sash? I really like this opening. Um, it's nice to see Bart and Lisa as siblings, and it's such a sort of, you know, uh, kids of that era kind of thing to do, to just kind of go down to some crappy lake and, like, fish and, like, put your feet in the water. It has kind of a nice nostalgic feel to it. And, like, yeah, you get a lot of sibling banter with Bart and Lisa in this episode. Well, a lot of the writers at this point would have been in their 30s and the older ones would have been just in their 40s. So, for them, this is their childhood of the 60s. So, it's very much reminiscent here. So, Bart ends up actually getting a bite. They're going to eat tonight, folks. So, uh, they end up catching a fish. And this fish is um, the iconic Blinky. Now, uh, behind the scenes scuttlebutt here, folks, um, a couple of weeks back, I was uh, DMing Sash, and um, yeah, tell me what you think of Blinky, like, his design, how cute he is, uh, please walk us through it. He's just like a classic neon orange radioactive product of pollution sort of thing, like, just really nice and simple, like, just just cute enough with a bit of creepiness in as well. It's like a nice, simple design that does what it does what it sets out to do. Now, obviously, he's very round and it's a very circular sort of design to the fish, but where's the um, creepiness vibe come from? Is it just the three eyes or is there, I don't know, more to his shape or the colour of him? I think it's just the huge, the three huge eyes because, like, thinking about the Simpsons in real life, what they would look like, there's a lot of, like, uncanny recreations on the internet. But, like, if you kind of imagine that thing in reality, it would just be so... It would just be so creepy. So... Yeah, it kind of works in the Simpsons universe, but like, if you think about it too hard, you do start to realise that, like, yeah, that's that you don't you don't want to be seeing that in your lakes. Shutton sees his opportunity here, and he realises this is coming from the nuclear plant. So he snaps a photo. We get a lot of spinning newspaper titles here, blaming the pollution on the nuclear plant, and Burns is uh, about to be in hot water here. Nice little uh, Easter egg here, folks. Bart takes this clipping and puts it in his um, scrapbook. And the clipping on its right is um, the town's mascot, the statue, being beheaded, as was in series one. So a lot of good continuity here. The family are eating round the table and Marge is saying, oh, you know, good old Mary Bailey, she's um, going to get the dirt on Burns and, you know, sort him out. Whereas Homer's very much, you know, don't rock the boat. I bet no one even knew, you know, fish had three eyes. Well, that's uh, more later. And he said, oh, if I were governor, I would do this. And if I were mayor, I would do this. And putting his own sort of thoughts and feelings on. But he goes to work anyway. And he's getting warned. All the staff are getting warned about, um, you know, the health and safety inspectors coming round. You know, doing the rounds. You know, just look busy and shut up. Don't speak to them. Uh, I don't know about you, Sash, but Ofcom vibes here. Ofcom? Yeah. Um, did you never have in your secondary school Ofcom come round and the teachers would shit themselves? Oh, like Ofsted. Oh, God. That's it. Ofsted, yeah. <laughs> You're right. That's te- okay, that Ofcom's makes a lot telly. More sense. I was it. like, yeah. do they call it something different uh, where in, wherever you're from? I don't know. You're, not... You're right. Or Ofsted. Not... Did you ever have yeah. Ofsted and teachers shitting themselves? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, they definitely got those vibes down there. All that sort of, ooh someone's coming in and it's going to be, you know, people will actually have to pretend to look busy and, like, do things. And yeah. I especially like the little touch of um, Burns going, oh, hold me, Smithers, and it's just a nice little uh, nice little embrace and hold, like yes. a mother does to her son. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. this is kind of before they massively overdid the whole subtext between those two, and it was kind of, yeah, a, lo- a little bit more restrained. So that's quite a fun scene. So we have the inspectors come out and already the guide counters are off, you know, but that that's normal, you know, normal background radiation you'd get at, well, any nuclear plant, including, you know, um, schools and hospitals. But um, they keep going round and, yeah, again, I really enjoy these short little five-second in-betweens of um, checking each sort of area and department. Gum used to seal crack in cooling tower. I'm as shocked as you are. Plutonium rod used as paperweight. Oh, now that shouldn't be. Did you have a favourite um, sort of investigation, a favourite little checkup here? Because I'll just say, uh, for one, 
Mine would be the um, nuclear rod used as a paperweight. And Burns given the uh, old hands on hips of, oof, oh, I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> I like that bit as well. Uh, despite only having rewatched this episode a couple of hours ago, I actually cannot remember um, any particular grabs from that scene, unfortunately. You've got the uh, what else gun there, in the to... cooling tower uh, holding up the crack. You've got yeah. the paperweight. You've got the solitary drip going through the um, clipboard and Burns going, oh, well, that's uh, always been like that. Homer just resting his eyes, and then the final one, which I believe is a good one to end on. It's just them in like ankle deep in nuclear waste, and him saying, "Uh, can I speak to you in private?" Oh, and then we get the bribe, don't we? Yes, we do, and this leads to a bribe. The safety foreman says, "In twenty years, he's never seen such shoddy disrespect for safety and human life." But um, I feel this is what um, well, yeah, any sort of billionaire, not even just a Bezos type. I feel they do this to cut around corners. You know, there's a pile of money in the room and we'll just see if this disappears. We're just going to close this door here, Sash. Do you think this happens in real life or is this very much uh, Burns-ism? Um, I have no idea. Having never been important enough to bribe or uh, important enough to be given out bribes, to be honest with you. So I, I wouldn't know. But um, I do just really like how slimy Burns is in this scene. It's just like just enough over the top to be funny without being like super ridiculous, if you get me. Like the whole dialogue is just like, I was cracking up the whole time I was watching this. This is like one of my favourite bits in this episode. It's just so funny. Oh yeah, it's the phoniness in his voice that does it for me. Yeah, definitely. Just like how scripted he sounds. (laughs) It's really silly. But the foreman's going to, you know, ignore this blatant attempt at bribery and it's going to cost him about 56 million to bring the plant up to even just a standard code where Burns isn't having any of this. He he feels defeated somewhat and he'd like to be alone. So Smithers leaves the room and Burns um starts drinking alone. Um not quite sure what kind of booze it was, uh, given mm-hmm. his age and kind of bottling that and thinking about what my old granny used to drink. I'm saying sherry, Sash, um what is yeah, what tipple it's definitely does Burns a sherry have? kind of vibe, isn't it? I can mm. see Mr. Burns putting away some sherry. And then it cuts um gradually to night. He's been on the source for many hours now, start singing, brother, can you spare a dime? I will say, great uh, drunk acting from Harry Shearer Shearer here, fellow who does uh, Mr. Burns' voice here, particularly him going through the hall and slurring his words as he um, tries to get to his car. It's it's great. It gets the real sort of frustration and loneliness that you can get through people drinking or some people get through drinking. Half a million boots. Went slogging through hell. I was a kid with a drum. Empty. Bah. Ah! Yeah, definitely. And we see a bit more of a like. I mean, Burns is a bastard, but um, we do still see a little bit more of a human side to him in this. Obviously, he's kind of he's. This is a really good episode for like a well-rounded uh, portrait of Mr. Burns's character. I think. But yeah, this scene is another one that's just like pretty ridiculous, but also quite fun. Well, I was going to say, um, obviously he gets overly evil and super villainy type um, from here on out. But I mean, you know, the tiniest shred of me did feel slightly sorry having him crying alone in his car, drunk. And yeah, it's amazing that such, you know, sort of design and animation can really get you behind that, even though he is just know this pure villain but we have homer leaving he slept in the whole time he slept what whole three hours ahead uh these 12 hour shifts are killing him even though he's probably only worked about what eight of them easy money didn't he come in late (laughs) yeah he did he was um rushed off his feet by the kids yeah so uh yeah cash that check homer homer spots um you know burns in his car and that and Right, uh, this is the oddest part of my mind making this comparison, Sash, so feel free to disagree with me, but the vibes of someone crying, the designs of these shadows in the night, and this, like, particularly villainous figure, I got big, big vibes of the wrong trousers, the Warson Gromit short. I don't know why, but just, yeah, from the just little plays of it, because I can just imagine, you know, when Gromit leaves, because, um, Feathers McGraw's took in his place and that and it's raining and it's all dramatic <sighs> while he's got a, I know we're gasping powerful it's... scene in my childhood you're taking me back here Tyler <laughs> that's 
yeah, I just seem to get a lot of parallels that this and this like um and this super villainous figure here with an ulterior motive. No, definitely. Um, I like how the Simpsons do like night scenes because we don't really get a lot of them. Obviously, you know, everything kind of takes place in the daytime more or less. So when they do an evening scene, there's just like this like sudden shift in color palette, which kind of it's just like quite visually interesting. Um, and yeah, it really goes well with the whole vibe of what they're going for. Homer gets invited into the car by Burns, and uh, this is Burns starting to, you know, voice his troubles to Homer, you know. They want to shut us down, you know. The man, the bureaucrats. Get used to a lot of that verbiage, folks. The bureaucrats want to shut us down when we're just trying to work and make an honest living. Can't they get off our backs? And um, this is where we get Burns. Well, initially, he's annoyed at Homer. Uh, Homer's idea of, you know, if I were governor again, and do you know the yeah. cost of it? But Homer's, um, through Homer's blind panic, he um, suggests that he could run for mayor. And this makes Burns tick. And then we go off to the second act for Burns to build a new, better world with his uh, billions here. So we have the next scene with the family. It's the next morning. And the news is out that Burns is, uh, he's going to run for mayor. What's good about this episode is is that it's pretty timeless in that, like, you know, when it was airing, you could be related to whatever political situation at the time. And now you're watching it again, it's, like, relevant, which is, obviously, The Simpsons have done basically everything. Um, and so they're kind of timeless by default because they've just covered every topic in existence. Some of them before they've even actually happened in real life, which still freaks me out a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I just think this is uh, a good classic tale of like, you know, big money versus small, well-to-do people running for government for the right reasons, I guess. So we have Burns' meeting with his, um, with his political party, with his team, if you will. Now, here's the problem as I see it. While Governor Bailey is beloved by all, 98% of the voters rate you as despicable or worse. That's why we've assembled the finest campaign team money can buy. This is your speech writer, mm -hmm. your joke writer, mm -hmm. your spin doctor, uh -huh. your makeup man, and your personal trainer. Ooh. Their job, to turn this Mr. Burns into this. Why are my teeth showing like that? Because you're smiling. Ah, excellent. Hey, this is exactly the kind of trickery I'm paying you for. But but how do we turn your average Joe six-pack against Mary Bailey? With this team of investigators, your muckraker, how do you your do? character assassin, nice to meet you. your mudslinger, ah. your garbologist. Hello. Their job is to turn Mary Bailey from this into this. The visual aids help so much. Thank you. And um, they've hired the best kind of team that money can buy. I and... love the scene. Well, the thing is, Sash, I'd say this is my favourite character in the whole of this, this, the um, orchestrator of it, the slick back greaseball kind of guy with the, uh, I think he's got blue haired lawyer's voice, but um, it still works for this character here. And he's got everything, you know, from the positive side. He's got a speechwriter, comedy writer, you know, your presentationist, all these sort of mumbo jumbo words. And they're going to turn this negative Mr. Burns into this powerful, positive Mr. Burns and they flick to this artist's impression and Burns with a great line, oh, why are my teeth shown like that? Because you're smiling. He's never one for happiness as Burns, but you know, how do how do they villainize Mary Bailey? How do they get the public to turn on it here? And that's with a team of, uh, I love I love these, um, I love these names, Sash. Can you uh, remember any of these job titles for the sort of, well, I'll give you one for the muckraker side. Oh, I can't remember. Um... Have we already, we've already said the spin doctor side. Uh, oh gosh, this was this was really good because I do remember. I remember like laughing at the scene and like this long, long litany of like titles that they gave, but I can't remember any of them. Sorry, I'm really like not with it today. It's got the <laughs> but, four. You've got your muckraker, your mudslinger, uh, your spin doctor, and your my favourite one, garbologist. <laughs> oh yeah, that was it, garbologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're gonna turn it from. Nice smiley lady in the photo to uh, being, you know, heckled by protesters. And as Byrne says, oh, these visual images, these visual aids are really very helpful. <laughs> yeah, if you can get it, I always find visual aids work, and that doesn't, uh, and that matters from the lowest peasant to the best billionaire. All yeah, helps. definitely. But they need to get on top of something straight away, and um, it's very much uh, blinky. So, um, what do they do? They end up creating a 
you know, paid for political party broadcast. So we have Burns prepping for this um, party political broadcast here. And he's having to get, you know, coaxed into smiling and looking happy as always. Um, but the broadcast already begins and he starts to run down, you know, Joey Lunch, Pale and all these other great names I'll get into in a minute will be eaten out the palm of his hand. But he, he switches it on. He is a professional, you know, and um, I'll insert it here. I'll insert this whole scene because it's, uh, it's just grand. Again, it's more uh, Burns' falseness and phoniness that um, I know you're a fan of here, Sash. Well, we've done all we can, Mr. Burns. The rest is up to you. Oh, don't worry. By the time this paid political announcement is done, every Johnny Lunch Pail in this whole stupid state will be eating out of my hand. Oh, hello, friends. I'm Montgomery Burns, your next governor. And I'm here to talk to you about my little friend here, Blinky. Many of you consider him to be a hideous genetic mutation. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. You see, friends, if our anti-nuclear naysayers and choose-upsiders were to come upon an elephant frolicking in the waters next to our nuclear power plant, they'd probably blame his ridiculous nose on the nuclear boogeyman. The truth is, this fish is a miracle of nature with a taste that can't be beat. Mm -mm. So, to summarize, say what you want about me. I can take the slings and arrows, but stop slandering poor defenseless Blinky. Good night, and God bless. Only a moron wouldn't cast his boat on the Yeah, definitely. It's just so, like I say, cartoon villain, but without the sort of... Uh, obviously everyone gets flanderized later on in The Simpsons, so going back to the early seasons and seeing them before they became sort of massive caricatures uh is quite nice like he's just yeah it's just so fake it's a bit cringy well he doesn't even get an expert or you know a veteran of um whatever party he seems to represent no he gets an actor portraying charles darwin to prove his point like this is ridiculous oh let's see what this actor uh just as charles darwin has to yeah. say <laughs> he really got a laugh at me oh yeah well i well i messaged you a couple of times before and you know my favourite part of this whole scene is just his over-delivery. Like, where in the... Did he get this guy from Blackadder? Is he an out-of-work stage actor now? And he's just, oh, come on, mate, help me out here, you know? But just his delivery on it and over-using, you know, and if these animals were to thrive, multiply, oh, hello, Mr Burns. It's <laughs> silly as all hell, but I love it. But don't take my word for it. Let's ask an actor portraying Charles Darwin what he thinks. Hello, Mr Burns. Oh, hello, Charles. Uh, be a good fellow and tell our viewers about your theory of natural selection. Glad to, Mr Burns. You see, every so often Mother Nature changes her animals, giving them bigger teeth, sharper claws, longer legs, or, in this case, a third eye. And if these variations turn out to be an improvement, the new animals thrive and multiply and spread across the face of the earth. So you're saying this fish might have an advantage over other fish. It may, in fact, be a kind of super fish. I wouldn't mind having a third eye, would you? <laughs> no. But he's basically, what Burns doing with this ad here, he's saying, oh, you know, this is just, you know, an advancement of um, Darwinism. You know, this is a super fish of some kind. And... If you believe everything, if you saw an elephant walking around outside the nuclear plant waters, oh, they'd blame his nose on the nuclear boogeyman. Another nice little line I liked here. But he signs off by pretty much saying, you know, I can take all the criticisms, but don't try and come for a sweet, innocent blink here. Do you know what kind of reference this was, that little line there, Sash? Is it a particular reference to something? Because I didn't catch that one. It is, um, through just through knowledge of this episode and other podcasts, this was Nixon's rebuttal. At, I don't know what criticism he faced, but um, they sort of took it out on his dog checkers. And he said, oh, just keep the attacks to me, but, you know, or don't uh, don't blame old checkers. Oh. That oh, was it. Okay. He was, they were going after his dog checkers. So this is a little, uh, a little reference to that. And I'll say just to cap off this... Uh, political broadcast here if you search for like i don't know memes there's even a subculture of like freeze frames with the simpsons folks and one of them is front-facing characters and i try not to look through the scene again because there's a lot of front-facing burns and just the size of his nose and he keeps looking directly at the camera it's just i i know i got a bit creeped out because it's obviously this twisted looking old man but yeah. his, his features even from front-facing are you know like uh creepy yeah 
But Enzo's character design is another thing you probably shouldn't think too hard about what it would look like if it was translated to reality. How do we do, folks? Do you enjoy Simpsons podcast as much as this one you're listening to right here? Then go check out our friends at the 411 Folks Simpsons podcast. They review The Simpsons uh, chronologically, seasons one to God knows whatever season they're on now, um, with jokes, japes, accents, and a whole load of fun as well. So that's the 411 Folks at Facebook. Also, if you haven't checked our podcast out, go to Uncle Mo's Family Feedback Podcast, a British Simpsons podcast, and the same on our SoundCloud as well, Uncle Mo's Family Feedback. Now back to your regularly scheduled listening. So he's on the campaign trail. We get a load of um, little scenes cut in between. Marge is busy rallying votes for Mary Bailey while Homer... um, I guess we'll talk about it now. Is Homer actively campaigning for Burns or how strong-armed do you think he's into this, you know, through his own job security, Sash? I kind of feel like, because we get this kind of era of The Simpsons has sort of cynical, downtrodden, grumpy Homer with, like, a hint of dumbness. Like, his like idios- his idiocy isn't really uh, amped up until later. So, kind of, my part of headcanon, uh, my headcanon for this was kind of, a lot of it's partly just retaliation to Marge. Just because, like, you know, oh, well, just because Marge disagrees with this, then, like, I'm going to amp it up on my side of things oh, as so well. Oh, you think and, it's like, out of spite, then? Like a little bit. I don't think that was like fully part of the episode, but like the bit where they're both aggressively sticking their banners into the ground, and Bart and Lisa are watching like a tennis match of like, oh my god, what, <laughs> what is this? Um, but yeah, and I feel like Homer, sort of at this stage in his character, does get swept up in things quite a bit, um, without sort of really thinking them through. It's just like here's a thing I can get behind and feel angry about, so I'm going to, you know, that kind of thing. So part, like, marital spat and part, like, being swept along in an ideal and part, well, this is my boss, so I kind of must support him sort of thing. Well, um, he's with Bart, isn't he? And Bart says it's the best. Oh, is your boss, you know, may yet? Oh, not yet, son, not yet. So there is a pang of, like, regret in his voice, like, uh, you know, soon enough it will all be over. I will say um, another fun political fact and a little reference here folks um one of the rallying scenes we see a uh, burns in front of a podium and there's a big sort of mural shot of him behind you saying we're gonna take it to the bureaucrats in the state capital do you know what film this is referencing sash i do not but i'm sure you do so uh go on hit me this is the now i've never seen it myself but there's a litany of references all throughout it in the simpsons um citizen kane Oh, they love referencing Citizen Kane. And again, I've never seen it, but like, I'm aware that there are a lot of Citizen Kane references. So yeah, it's just one of them, I didn't realise. And you, well, when you find out Burns' first name is Charles, and that is a direct reference to Charles Foster Kane, and they stuck with it ever since. Ah. So that's a true dedication. You know. Oh, and very last, uh, very last one before we move on, because I've done a lot of research. There's also Burns popping out of a tank. I'm not going to ask you, do you know it? So I'll just... I'll rattle on, folks. This won't take too long. Basically, um, a Democratic uh, side for the 1988 election, Michael Dukakis, um, they were getting all sorts of promotional shots and, you know, given his two cents on every sort of subject that, you know, you need to answer to be president. But he wasn't that big on, um, you know, funding the army and, you know, sort of war defence. Whereas, you know, George H.W., was um had served his time, whereas Dukakis really wasn't. So he was pretty much forced to by his publicist to, you know, pose in a tank. And there's now one thing in politics you don't do: you don't put your, uh, you know, your candidate in a hat because it makes them look silly. It makes them look goofy. There's a comparison to Snoopy by a, uh, by um, one reporter with this. So Dukakis put this hat on and he's riding this tank, and he just looks like a little boy in an oversized helmet. And that pretty much killed his campaign. And that allowed H.W. Bush and uh, his wife, Barr, which I'm sure we'll review uh, a lot later, folks. That um, that was one of the main reasons why he won it, because of this um, small little man in a silly big tank. And so we have Burns creeping up the poles. He's nearly neck and neck here. Um, oh, God. Um, I feel like I should <laughs> mention it now. Um, with it being 2019 and very modern and 
people rightly getting you know accused and you know getting put to justice their previous crimes and um, the garbologists here go through the mary bailey's trash and speak to every one of the clients and they only find this lad who dated her when it, uh she was 16 and burns you know goes yeah and come on what's the dirt oh uh he uh he felt her up. Ah, it's not good enough. And that's not <laughs> aged well, Sash. No, it's definitely not, has it? Like, I mean, mm. I'd laugh at it initially, but now, you know, what with Me Too movements and, you know, people, yeah. like I said, being put to justice, this is very... I mean, I'm sure it's accurate for these Republican lizards to go like, oh, no, who cares if this woman was assaulted? Where's the real dirt? Like, ugh, gross. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, a bit unfortunate. But hey-ho. Um... Yeah. As a side note, does this character ever come back, this political lady, or is she a one-shot character? Because I really like her. We never hear anything about her, but I just, like, love that this, like, sweet little old lady is, like, giving Mr. Burns so much trouble. I feel like that is um, something that could have been a really, really fun thing to, like, reintroduce in later episodes, but I don't know if that ever happened. Oh, no, Mary Bailey does come back. Uh, I don't know which episodes, but she definitely comes back for two later episodes. One in the... um guess what you'd call golden era and then one in season 13 and the kids oh, okay. have to design a like state flag and bart savage leases one and she's not happy about it the lead greaseball says oh you look you know powerful and godlike but you know you're losing touch with a common man so we want you to work we want you to have dinner with a working class family and um i like um burns's description of basically the common man you know Eddie Punch Clock, you know, Haley Lunch Pail and, you know, Joe Six Pack. Uh, I like these old commoner names here, Sash. What I thought we were going to get, uh, just to throw back, you know, when they mentioned that Mr Burns is a personal trainer, I really, th- I must have made this scene up, but I thought there was going to be a workout scene, like a rocky sort of montage with Mr Burns and that dude, and there wasn't, oh. and I was really disappointed when it sort of got to the end of the episode and it became apparent that wasn't going to happen. Oh, they missed but, a chance there. They could have had him going for like the point two dumbbells and, oh, right? yeah, they missed I know, exactly. There. I'm just like, that scene was so clear in my head that I've clearly just sort of, you know, seen enough Simpsons to make stuff up of my own accord. We see another family scene, it's breakfast this time, and Whilst all this campaigning's going on, Burns is getting the upper hand here. Um, <laughs> Homer, I guess this happens a lot in... Um, what's happened a lot in a lot of old couples I've seen, it's, you know, oh, I love you, honey, and oh, this is great. Did you do something with your hair? Oh, by the way, Mr. Burns is having, you know, a political party dinner here. And, you know, some camera crews and all that. And um, Marge, sticking up for herself here. This is great. So, um... Homer, well, appears to get angry. He says, kids, I don't want you to see this through gritted teeth. The kids scamper off. <laughs> and this is, br- yeah, please explain, Sash. This is brilliant. I love this scene. It's so dramatic. He's like, kids, I don't want you to have to see this. And then like, they scoot away. And then Homer just gets on his knees and starts begging Marge. And it's just so funny. It's so pathetic. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a great turn. Um, yeah. But Marge gives a typical, mm, so that pretty much counts as a yes. The Burns banners are out all over the house. We get the head greaseball talking with the family, you know, cueing them in for what the evening's going to hold. And he says, you know what, uh, we'd really love it if one of the children could ask Mr. Burns a question there. Little girl, talking to Lisa, can you please memorise this for the dinner? And um, what was it? That was it. Mr. Burns. Your campaign has the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? And then I think she talked about, you know, can I actually ask him instead about why such his uh, such a person of his business is, you know, ruining and polluting the planet? No, dear, the car question will be fine. Ah, it's just littered with all these little jokes and these um, misdirects, Sash. This is, um, yeah, this is peak for me. I, what do you think about this? Because you're, you're, a, you're a very active person uh, within... Um, I mean, you've done your fair bits of, like, I don't want to say, like, activism, because that makes it sound, like, hardcore, but you've uh, done your bit for protests and I, that. Yeah, yeah, I've been to the odd protest. I like to stay involved. Yeah, I really feel for Lisa here. You can just see how frustrated she is about how scripted this is. And obviously, like, they aren't expecting her to be so intelligent, and she comes out of this big 
the, those question about you know how is this pollution going to affect my future and stuff and it's just like oh Lisa like be quiet speak the good it's a talking kind of feel kind of deal but like yeah it's a shame but hey I am um, as a precocious little kid who kind of got bushed off I can definitely relate to that so we have um Homer and Marge you know I feel this is used a lot in uh, early seasons they have a little summit in bed and Homer's trying to snuggle with Marge but she's you know very resistant so much so that she falls off the bed and is not willing to return you know come on Marge get back up no they're I'm comfy down here and I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this line like again I've laughed at it loads of times but it's like ah, oh, I just want to snuggle well I'm not in the mood for snuggling well when has that stopped us before <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that kind of made me raise an eyebrow. I was like, "Um, really? Marge talks about, you know, she doesn't want to share this same bed as someone who's against Mary Bailey and, you know, supporting a villain like Burns, you know. And he says, oh, but honey, you know, and fucking hell, yeah, Homer backwards as ever. And I feel like I still hear this from, you know, grown men over 50 in pubs. Like, oh, you know, you do show love and support for your family, you know, by the... Uh, house you tend and the meals you cook here and the floors you clean um but instead of marge rightly i mean she should have flipped out and called him on his bullshit she, she uh it's quite smart actually uh, me watching it when i was younger probably didn't understand this but marge holds on to this uses this engine and says oh okay if uh you think so then yeah i do support my family that way and that's how i'll show it homer good night this is um, a key Lady Macbeth power play here, Marge. The um, Marge? <laughs> I'm getting confused myself. <laughs> this is a key power play here, isn't it, Sash? A real Lady Macbeth mood, because hell, I thought she was just going to be submissive initially, but she has an ulterior mode. She's got a plan. Yeah, I really, I guess uh, I'll save it till the end, but... um just to sort of briefly say that I really liked Marge in this episode and like it's quite rare I think the last two ones that we've reviewed uh her and Lisa both had quite sort of sad endings or sort of you know whatever they want just sort of gets pushed aside or whatever so it's quite cool to see Marge taking a bit of agency in this and being quite badass so here comes the night of the um big political dinner burns to arrive any moment the family are getting doled up and um, they don't know it yet, folks, but the reason I picked this episode, or I should say the random generator spat out this episode, was purely for me to discuss uh, Homer's look here with the makeup artist. And um, I'm going to throw them under the bus now. Sasha is a secret scouser. What do you think of Homer's <laughs> scouse brows here? Absolutely on fleek, my friend. See, on here we fleek. go. This is why I bring you on. I throw you a curveball. <laughs> yeah. Poles are 50 50. You know, very even. And as the grease ball said, this cornball stunt's going to put him over the edge. Burns arrives, you know, the family prepare themselves and Burns with the fake pre- pleasantries, you know, pausing a bit before saying, you know, oh, Marge, you look dazzling. And before he can actually enter the house, he's um, playfully attacked by Santa's little help of, you know, Homer makes the great save. No, oh, bad dog, bad neighbour dog. Could save here by Homer. Yeah, this is a bit of a weird scene. Like, how come... It just... Yeah, it's just like... I don't know. I thought they were going to go with the animals all hate burns and then suddenly they don't. I thought it was going to be like, oh, he's got dog food in his pockets or something. But like, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. And even the cat goes for him, but, you know, he plays it off relatively well and him and the whole camera crew and the whole media circus comes in here. And that's tipped him just over the edge with the statesman-like way he's... Uh, Handle the pets. They're just about to tuck into their first course, the starters. Um, Bart says grace, and um, oh, I think of this line a lot. Now, I'm a very respectful man of many faiths here, but if it didn't resonate with me with aggressive little 15-year-old atheist self, Bart's line of, dear God, we paid for this food, so thanks for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Typical Bart, again just like stupid things kids say when they shouldn't say them but I like that line that made me laugh and Homer's got his own um quote question here Sash um 
Him and his family feel like taxes are too high. Where do you stand on such a controversial issue? And it's so blatant, and you get to see him read the card. Obviously, um, it's not going to be caught up on uh, camera. All cameras are on Burns, and Burns with the very nonchalant line of, oh, I didn't realise this friendly dinner was going to turn into this political debate. And, Ho- <laughs> and Homer with about, well, I'm just reading what uh, I'm saying Homer is. It's great. I love the sort of breaking of um, this, quote, natural moment here, and just Homer admitting like, oh, no, but uh, just what he told me to say was... Yeah, I'm only saying what's on the card, and I was like, shut up, shut up. But Burns gets into his spiel here. Um, I talked about previously verbiage. He loves attacking the bureaucrats and, you know, the head of state and, you know, the uh, the upper echelons, the people. Now, um, truly, the biggest sort of parallel got with this is as cute as as it is to reference Walsh and Gromit, I'm not going to go deep into it because it gets a bit depressing, folks, but I'm getting a lot of parallels between this and uh, a big event in 2015, big election. Would it be wrong in saying that, Sash? No, I think that's a fair assessment. (laughs) Through Burns getting all hot up on um, hitting his lines and his trademarks here, turns to Lisa, you know, Lisa, and do you have something to say to your uncle Montgomery? Oh, no. That's a Republican line if I ever heard one. You know, get in with the nuclear family here and, oh, no. But, you know, Lisa, God bless her, you know, she pains away through the question. You know, runaway freight train, how have you got so much momentum? But I like... She's just so done. Yeah. It's Mm. such a mood. I like the touch here. Burns, he seems to answer it, but then he's about to go on another diatribe. Lisa leaves halfway through. If you rewatch the scene back, folks, she realises like... Yeah, she just walks off. I love that part. I thought that was so funny. That was just like such a good little character moment. She's just like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I it's like perfect. She notices like a slight change and she's like, right, I've done my bit, I'm off. See ya. And she confesses in her mother, she confesses in Marge that, oh, I feel sick. That was horrible. How are you putting up with this mum? And um, Marge, you know, like I said, again, Lady Macbeth, you know, oh, Lisa, just remember, never doubt your mother, you know. Don't forget to give your mother the benefit of the doubt. And Marge has this um, large covered dish here, silver platter of sorts, and is about to uh, bring it out to Burns. Well, Burns is busy, you know, ranting, raving, you know. And he gives her the very forced line of, mmm, smells delish. And it's revealed, and it's blinky. Perfect. A real uh, Chekhov's gun moment here, folks. We've got a deep-fried blinky here. And, again, uh, didn't even give him the body, gave Blinky's head with all three eyes here to uh, tuck in. And everyone's shocked here. Um, This... Again, this is a great moment, Sash. This is bringing it all together. Yes, I love this reveal. It's like... um, I mean, I think you can kind of guess what's going to happen at this point, but it's still like, oh my God, she did it. She actually did it. And the fish just looks so creepy as well. Like, it's like a bit crackly, like it's been deep fried. And it you can does. Just sort of I imagine like how you see it around it the eyes and that, don't you? And little bits in the yeah. skin. Yeah, it's like, oh, and it's still flapping when he cuts it open, which is like the grossest thing possible. But, I mean, she's reveling in every moment, even from the, you know, can I fix you a plate? And Burns, I mean, his temper's about to go, folks, but this is why people fuck with people in cameras. I mean, what was it, nearly a year, year ago? Do you remember Australian Egg Boy? Basically, after um those New Zealand shootings, this horrible um minister for Australia blamed it on Muslim culture. There was a young 16-year-old recorded himself throwing an egg right at his head. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I did not know about this. Yeah, this is the same sort of vibe and the great sort of um, justice we get from March here as rivaled with um, Egg Boy, folks. Please check this out because, you know, Carmen's never felt so good, folks. I'm sure Marge felt the same <laughs> way here. And Burns is, you know, <laughs> he, he has to do it, folks. You know, this is live. And so he's busy chewing it through, gristly, bony, and... He can't take it. He can't, you know, keep the mask on any longer. So he spits it out, slow-mo, shoots across the table. The media gets their shots and their moments, and then they just leave. And a very apt line, you know, ruined before it hit the ground. 
And, you know, Burns can't swallow pride. Burns can't swallow the race. And that's his campaign over pretty much. And Burns is such a desperate, you know, downtrodden man saying, oh, right, put coffee on the burner. You know, we're not licked yet. And you get the slight raising in aggression in Harry Shearer's voice. And, well, like I said before, the uh, Citizen Kane reference, you can't do this to me. I'm Charles Montgomery Burns. And this leads to another reference in Citizen Kane. He um, smashes up his ex-wife's room. And they even use some of the Foley here, especially with the glass smashing, Sash. That's uh, Foley from the exact same uh, scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's got that old sort of um, golden age Hollywood sound of smashing glass. It's quite warbled. It's not quite a cleaner... Smithers, boil some coffee. We're not licked yet. Yes, we are. Come on, boys. The old guy's finished. Wait! Come back! You can't do this to me! I'm Charles Montgomery Burns! Smithers, tip over this table for me. Yes, sir. Make them stop. Shut up and wreck something! Audio of it, it's great. And Burns is just busy smashing stuff up with the help of Smithers here. Um, The family are, well, they're cringing. They don't know what to do. Marge is budging Homer to do something. And Homer, like the shy, belligerent worker that he is, he's just, uh, Miss. Mr. Burns, uh, shut up and break something up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like very complicit all of a sudden. <laughs> That's classic idiot Homer, just like blindly picking up his own furniture and trashing it. I'm not like, going to deal with this again, confrontation. I got a lot of laughs out of this episode and that was one of them. But Lisa learning from everything, you know, she's the mature adult here and steps in saying, you know, sir, you know, what kind of joy are you actually going to get from breaking our stuff here? And, Burns, you know, accepts defeat and walks out of the house. The thing that I enjoyed about this was the bit, the completely missing the point bit where he goes, yes, let's go and destroy something tasteful. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, destroying this shit isn't going to make us feel better. Let's go and destroy some, like, you know, priceless vases or something. <laughs> That'll do it. Burns is busy leaving the home and um, I'll drop in here what he says about the family, but it's pretty much saying, oh, it's ironic, you know, these slack-jawed troglodytes, Good word, folks. Try and use it more. It's a great word. These slack-jawed troglodytes here ruined my campaign. Yet, you know, if I had to have them killed, I would go to jail. And Burns, in a very sort of, um, yeah, well, in a villainous way, he says to Homer, you know, I'm not going to kill you, you know, I'm not going to sack you in that, but, you know, I'll rue the day, I'll use every ounce of my energy in my remaining years to make sure your life goes unfulfilled. Oh, such a sti- I, I will say, Burns is a shit heel in this episode, but that is such a great delivery. Again, Harry Shearer, I think he's my MVP for this episode. Great acting, great delivering here, just the final aggression of unfulfilled yeah, as he walks definitely. off. Oh, fantastic. And um, we get a... All right, you can, you can maybe argue that it's a quick turnaround, folks, but it's... I think the sweetness overweighs it, you know, because Homer's busy sweating, saying, oh, my life will go unfulfilled. No, no, that can't happen. That's not going to happen, Marge, is it? You know, oh, please make this better. Yeah, Marge, here, you know, she can have the upper hand. She can say, you know, oh, I told you so, Homer, for messing with that demon. But she says, oh, you know, if all a man's, you know, pleasures is sleeping in on Sundays, extra helpings and occasional snuggling, not one man can destroy these simple pleasures. You know, Homer perks up, hey, you know what? You did do it. Now, what did you think of this, Sash? Because... Again, like I said before, um, I feel like it's just like a, oh, I don't know, we've slightly got to end this now, but it is very sweet and genuine, but is Marge right in sort of ignoring it and doing it for the greater good and being the bigger person here? Um, I mean, she sort of got what she wanted in the end, didn't she? She did the whole stunt with Blinky. You know, it's kind of out of their power now, the campaign sort of thing. Burns is done. Homer, I think was kind of going along with it for being swept up in it. And he's suddenly distracted again by, oh, I can have second dessert. It's fine. All's right with the world. I felt like it was a nice way to end it. It was a nice sort of... Um, I've not thought of it parallel that Parallel to the 
You're yeah, right, Homer so did get swept up and now he's got these simple pleasures that he can fall back on. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, every I think everybody wins except Burns, who was never supposed to win, so, you know. Yeah, no, I thought I thought I thought it was a nice ending to the episode. And that's how we end the episode, folks. Um going to my rating here. Um having rewatched it now with a more mature head and being a lot older. There's a lot of parallels here, and it's great satire, and as you've said many times throughout this uh, review, Sash, it's truly ageless, it's truly timeless, um, and for that reason, you know, with Blinky and all of Burns' you know, eccentricities and everything else, and the great sense of justice and karma that Marge gets, I'm going to give this a four out of five um, Homer Scouse brows. Now, how... <laughs> <laughs> Had to bring it back, folks. Now, what do you yep. think about this? What are your, what's your overall review? And what would you say your ranking is on this, your rating? Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Lots of bits that made me laugh out loud. Um, quite relevant, quite um, political, quite uh, has a lot of the tone and characterization notes of like early symptoms, like uh, Simpsons that I really enjoy uh, in terms of nice little throwaway, throwaway lines from Bart and Lisa. Uh, Burns just being excellent, um, Homer being at his best, I think, uh, and Marge getting a happy ending for like once because I feel like that doesn't really happen as much as it should. So I super super enjoyed this episode. I think this is my favorite one that I've watched uh, for the podcast. So um, yeah, I'll give it. Uh, I don't know. I'll give it five blinking fish eyes out of five. <laughs> All right, great. And with that, folks, um, if you'd like to um, have a look at us, then check us out on Facebook. That's Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a British Simpsons podcast. Uh, same with our SoundCloud. And Sash, what sort of projects have you got? Um, where can people find you for your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter, which I think I've changed my URL since the last time I was on here. So I'm now Spirit Jam. Uh, replace the first I with a one. It's not very good for telling people this without a written medium, but hey, um, I'm sure Tyler can write this in the link, uh, the episode description somewhere. But yeah, I'm Spirit Jam. That's S P one R I T J A M on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm tweeting about work that I'm doing for Soul Muppet Publishing. If you like RPGs, you might want to check that out. Um. I'm just dabbling in various bits and bobs early. And that's all from me in terms of promotion. What's the handle for Soul Muppet Publishing? We are we don't have a Twitter, but we do just have a hashtag. If you just search hashtag Soul Muppet, everything will come up. Okay, let's pull on that lever and see what episode is randomly generated next. Get ready to believe in Jeebus, folks, because we're going to Season 11 with Missionary Impossible. Thank you for listening. Remember to check out our Facebook. That's Uncle Mo's Family Feedback, a Simpsons podcast. And our SoundCloud as well, just Uncle Mo's Family Feedback podcast. Take care and see you soon, folks. Come to Uncle Mo's for family fun. It's good, 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 good. Mmm, sounds good.